Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Jay Cheney and Pav Wander, also known as Jim Guy and Wander Woman. Welcome to the staff room, a half hour to engage in some meaningful conversation about some of the topics we think are pertinent and relevant to our day-to-day teaching experience. The Staff Room Podcast episodes are hosted by Voice Ed Radio Weekly on Tuesday mornings and on Fridays. At 9 a.m. Eastern, we host The Drive, an educational morning radio show filled with great chatter and amazing music. Check out the staff room on the School Rubric website, where our origin story and weekly articles are posted, and our podcast can also be heard. We are also on the On Podcast Media Network and are connected to an amazing group of educators who have come together to form the Education Never Dies team. You can find us all on Twitter. Check out our link tree on our Twitter handle, at Staff Podcast, for more information about us. All right, so let's get right into it. We are starting with episode 31 today, um, and we're talking about the counter- revolution. So this is a little bit interesting. We've had a little bit of time to now explore a little bit of e-learning, you know, this this mystical beast of e-learning that everybody has been pushing for for so long. So we'll talk about what the evolution of this process is going to look like going forward and how we are going to adjust the things that we're doing and make them mix in with things that we were doing before we entered this universe. But before we get started, it's probably a good idea for us to introduce ourselves. So my name is Pav. I sometimes go by Wonder Woman, and I make up only half of this team. So I'm going to introduce the other half of this team, and he's sitting right beside me, and his name is Che. I'm a distinguished law officer of almost 30 years seniority, and I'm in a high-speed pursuit. You should call me Sheriff Buford T. Justice. <laughs> I've heard that impression. I've yeah. heard it not too long ago, actually. Well, you know, when you double up your shows within one morning, <laughs> yeah, only- how much new content, which isn't even new content because it's just some 80 movies reference, how much new content you want me to come up with? <laughs> it's difficult to come up with some new stuff. The, the funny thing is, is that you're still not totally sure who it was. This morning, you had no idea who it was when we were live on the drive. But now you're like, ah, it's, it's familiar. It's like deja vu. But it's, I still don't quite get the reference. No, not quite. I, I absolutely don't know the reference. It's completely out of my wheelhouse. I'm a gym teacher with over 30 years seniority. <laughs> that should be your new tagline. Well, not just, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm a 45-year-old man. 45-year-old gym guy. 
Don't, yeah, don't make me play dodgeball with you. Don't make me play dodgeball. <laughs> I hear it's. I hear it can get pretty dangerous for them. Grade eight. Yes. They think, oh, I waited all this time to be the senior in the school. You is still the junior in the gym. Mm-hmm. That's right. I hear that often. Uh, all right, so let's let's start talking about this uh, this topic. This is an interesting one. You know, it touches on a few things that we've talked about before. You know, what's working, what's not working, what are sort of our, our challenges. But something that we haven't really delved a lot into is what parts of this are we going to keep going forward? And what parts do we desperately need from our pre-COVID days? And, uh, you know, e-learning is something that has been sort of this um, ethereal creature that we want to explore more of, but we never really get the green light or the go-ahead or the signal to say, okay, let's let's go ahead with this e-learning thing and see how it works out for us. I know that there have been a lot of people that have been pushing towards e-learning, um, whether it's parents, other educators, school boards, governments. Um, but ha- is it going to be successful? Has it been successful thus far? Can we completely replace the in-class experience? What are we missing from the in-class experience that we desperately, desperately need right now? So this is a, it's similar, but it's a little bit of a different direction because we are going to discuss a little bit about some of those things that many teachers are expressing that are missing right now. E-learning, for us as educators, we've gone over this as crisis learning, but for our kids and for our families, as much as lots of them are struggling, ultimately, the the whole concept of e-learning for us in Ontario, for sure, has been like the premise. It's been right out there, especially with our high schools, is are we going to shift to an e-learning platform? And do parents and kids have a whole new impression of what this e-learning environment might look like based on this crisis learning. But you, us as professional educators, you know, we can be really refined in how to defining the remote learning, the e-learning, the duplication of school at home. Is this homeschooling? Is this crisis learning? But for our families, there, this is this is you putting school at home for us. This is what the school life's going to be like. Um, if I were talking to my own children, this, they don't identify this as crisis learning. They just think that this is school at home. And so there's going to be a real, everyone had an opinion on sort of e-learning, but now I think, especially for us, everyone's going to have a real example. They're really going to know the impacts of sort of learning at home, learning in the remote universe, and everyone's opinion, now that it has more specific evidence, is really going to start to slant and go other ways. And I know we've talked about this sort of off the camera, is the idea of this whole counter-revolution. And of course, gym guy, he doesn't actually have a gym degree, he has a history degree. And one of my favorite lines in one of the history classes I took courses was, for every revolution, there's always the unintended, unplanned for counter-revolution. And as we have rushed and, and forced to go into this new remote world, lots of emphasis on tech, and, and for good and positive reasons. But I think we're discovering is that they are now, we're now creating gaps that weren't there before, or they're gaps we have to really work to maintain. And so as we branch off into this brave new world, and we've had lots of successes, lots of things are going right. We're getting tech out there. We're getting access to Wi-Fi. We're communicating with our families more often. But in bridging those gaps, are we stretching ourselves then in other areas that maybe we hadn't anticipated or we didn't realize how tough it would be to manufacture in this sort of remote or e-learning environment. 
I love the uh, the idea of the counter revolution. I mean, not the idea because it, it's something that exists. I just love that we're talking about this. I love that you know we have had this thought, this idea of we want to get more into you know more of the technology, more e learning. As you mentioned in high school, it's become become more of a push, and a lot of people seem to think that it's the direction that education is going to go, but have we really ever been able to look at it as a case study, like fully, um, as we are completely entrenched? And and you did highlight the point that this is not actually e-learning, this is crisis learning, which it is. But there are a lot of people who are now taking the time to um, to transform from that crisis, that panic mode, and are doing a lot of professional development right now and are setting up their classrooms. Now that they've seen how they kind of work, they're they're adjusting them. They're adjusting a lot of the processes involved um, to create a more balanced e-learning classroom. As more students enter, enter these classrooms, um, they are going to start functioning more and more like an e-learning classroom. So as much as when we entered into this whole scenario, it was crisis and it, and it still is crisis, but you know, that crisis, that panic starts to die down. We get more and more of our students into our classrooms and now we can focus a little bit more on, okay, if this is going to be the long term, if we're doing this till June, then we need to start to create this as a, as a full classroom in, in embedding the culture that we have uh, already talked about last week, making sure that everybody is, is part of this classroom. So what are we going to be able to do to fully engage everybody? But what's still missing? And that's key that you mentioned. What is still missing? And there are many things. These gaps still do exist and they are getting bigger and bigger. And we have to be able to either accommodate for those things or we have to say, you know what, this this isn't going to work as a fully e-learning classroom. This may not be possible yet. We still have to develop a lot of things. We still have to evolve as classrooms, as teachers, as students, as parents, as administrators to be able to create that sort of uh, fully encompassed classroom setting. I love the point you made. I love lots of the points, but I'm only going to fixate on one until I fixate on another. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Was the idea that this is crisis learning, and it still is crisis learning, but we are getting more accustomed to this crisis. And so our teachers, ourselves included, are getting much more comfortable in the tech world, in designing tech lessons, in designing remote lessons. If you think of our first staff meeting, it was 45 minutes of hell, listening to everyone saying, hello, hello, unmute dad. Hello, 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 hello. Why are you not saying hello? Because it's best for all of us all if we don't all say hello. That was your first ex- experience with a staff meeting in the digital world, and everyone just highlights just how uncomfortable they were and how much they thought they could just make the same human interaction as just put it on the computer. We can't actually all just go around and say hello in that remote universe meeting. And what does that highlight? Well, virtually nothing. But... <laughs> But it highlights at the end is that when we do a meeting now, teachers come on and we're efficient. We run a productive meeting. Not everyone is sitting there trying to spend 45 minutes making sure we all say hello to each other. We get it. We know that that's no longer really feasible. People come on now and it's smooth and it's interactive and and teachers now have very specific PDs and things to share. Lots of the, the conversations that's not overly productive 
gets eliminated. You have your toolbar on the side. You can ask your questions. Questions can be answered quietly on the side of someone giving a brief presentation. And so it really demonstrates that our teachers are becoming much more comfortable in this environment. And if they're much more comfortable in the staff meeting, then we know they're more comfortable making lessons, making activities. We've heard this repeat teachers sharing these great new resources they've had, these great new programs they've had. Our teaching capacity is improving for the e-learning environment, the remote learning environment. So despite it still being crisis, we are collectively becoming much better at this skill set. But it is being early and data is important. How consistently are our students going to be engaged? What's the quality of learning? What's the quality of, of involvement? So as much as we're going all in and now this big heavy train of this tech push is moving, now that it's moving, we're going to start to see the gaps, the counter revolution as we get all more comfortable here. Are we going to put more emphasis on this and then realize that we're now going to create gaps that weren't there beforehand in terms of culture, in terms of connections, in terms of the power and love of reading as examples, I went off too far. But when you talked about sort of staff becoming more comfortable, as our staff become more comfortable with tech, they're going to lend themselves to using tech more often. And it's not that it's in, it's not that it's not valuable, but the law of unintended consequences, the counter revolution, when we go so far here at the end, at the end of this school year, assuming we're going back into our school next year, what are the things we're really going to have missed as the gym guy? I'll tell you, I miss gym. I miss the athleticism, I miss getting those kids run around. I can give them little remote fun activities, but that's not gym. That's not a volleyball tournament. That's not dodgeball. That's just, you know, throw the ping pong ball in the red cup and have it bounce around <laughs> off a bunch of things. Like, yes. Yeah. The, 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 As a gym gay remote learning, hey, take a ping pong ball, everyone, and you make an obstacle course. Right. Yeah, it's not quite the same. You're right. There there are a lot of things missing. And, and that's that's sort of the point of this. You know, um, we've been pushing for this e-learning. Teachers are becoming more comfortable. And as teachers become more comfortable, the students will also start to become more comfortable. I think we're all still battling the idea that not everybody is on, not everybody is yet engaged. But in a couple of weeks, maybe before, maybe even before the end of the school year, you might have a full classroom that is fully engaged with the work that you're producing and the work that you're posting and the assignments that are going out. Um, but there's still a lot missing here. Um, I know for sure that I am posting a lot less work that I would normally have in a classroom. And that's because much of the work that happens in the classroom is informal. It's not an assignment. It's not here, read this and answer these questions. There's a lot more informal learning that is happening. Um, discussions that emerge from going off on tangents about a particular topic. You know, we might start a lesson about one thing, but 15 minutes later, we're talking about something completely different, but equally important. And so you can't have that in an online classroom. What I assign to you is what I expect back from you. There's not a lot of opportunity for these kinds of, um, you know, side learning that happens alongside um, your learning that would happen in an in-class face-to-face scenario. So there's a lot of stuff that is missing in, in the e-learning world which is something that we will have to accommodate for. Or do we say that if this is the route that we're going to go with e-learning, then we have to leave those things to the wayside and that particular part of the classroom culture may not ever come back. You know, if we were if we were fully tech integrated, which which is still, you know, if that is something that we're looking to, it's still a long ways away. But 
these are the sorts of conversations that are starting to emerge now. And these are some of the things that we can start to address because they are real challenges that we will, we will have to talk about at some point. Old man Genie would love an old-fashioned reel aloud with his class. I know, I know. I'm missing that. It's and it's why it's because it's because of the feedback that you get from your students. We don't have that in an online world. You can't, you know, peer into your students' homes and say, "Oh, you know, you you didn't do that quite right. Let me let me f- help you fix that right away." You're not getting, you know, when you're doing a read aloud. You're not able to look up to your students and see, are they intently focused on what you're saying? Are they loving it? Do you see the smiles on their faces? Are they staring at you while you're reading? Um, You know, are they intently listening? You can't read body language. You can't do that. That immediate feedback is gone. And teachers thrive on that immediate feedback. It's what drives us to go in a particular direction, to read with particular enthusiasm, or as, you know, Jim Guy would be with his multitude of accents. Um, or, or, you know, what do you do with that? You can't. You can't use the feedback to drive you to go further or in a different direction, which is something that I truly, truly miss. You know, walking through the classroom, seeing things that are happening in there, and not being able to reflect on them immediately. When you think of the read aloud, it reminds me of a TED talk on practical wisdom. And the talk commented on all the rules and regulations and all the job descriptions people have in particular jobs. And if you follow them, you wouldn't get great performance. Even if you follow them step by step by step by job requirement by job requirement, that inherently it was everything else around the job requirement that made you really good at your job. So as a teacher, just following what the requirements of the job don't make you a great teacher. Teachers do far more than that. If you're a nurse or a custodian, what makes you excel isn't just doing the definition of the job, it's the humanization of that job and and reading the, the vibe and the gauge of the room, what becomes more important and how you can humanly interact and when I think of just the read aloud as the example I can design my read aloud exactly the same set them up exactly the same in the virtual world and I can even record it and draw I can even do a video of myself and I can be absolutely piece for piece be the same but I don't need any stats to tell me right now that that read aloud in the classroom is going to be far more impactful far more meaningful and I'm going to get a real sense of how much our students are in tune, engaged, in love with the story than it could be done remotely. Although technically, all the steps are there, all the components would be there, and if you were to step back from afar, you would say the result's going to be the same. But I don't need the stats on that one to tell you. They're not going to be the same. There's going to be a real pushback to get back to some of our basics, some of those real face-to-face interactions with our students that we know develop that rich, meaningful learning, that great connection with your teacher, with your educator, with your building. I like to think of that, the analogy that I like to give uh, to go alongside that is listening to an album and then watching the concert or being live at the concert. It's a different feeling. It's a different vibe. You don't have the same level. I mean, think of yourself at a concert Uh, for your favorite band, your favorite artist, and how involved you are in the music during that time, how much more you love a song that you hear someone performing live right in front of you versus listening to it on a, on a eight track, 
Is that, did I say that right? <laughs> oh boy, you got some cut eyes. Like, where are you going to go with this music analogy? Because I think you're about to say album, but I know you don't know what an album is. I think I went further back than an album. Or did I? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to make a mix CD. <laughs> a mix what? A mix CD. Oh, sure. I didn't even know mix CDs were a thing. I think this is a great time for us to get into our three enlightened minutes. Today we have Kevin Stoller and he has a company called K12 Learning. And what they do is they try to create better learning environments by incorporating more problem solving into their into their learning. So here is Kevin Stoller with his three enlightened minutes. Hello, my name is Kevin Stoller, and these are my three enlightened minutes. I wanted to talk about how we can change the entire landscape of K-12 education. So let me give you a little bit of my background. I currently live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I own a company called K-12, which is spelled K-A-Y-T-W-E-L-V-E, and we focus on creating better learning environments. So I spend about half of my time in the entrepreneurial world with other business owners, and the other half of my time is spent with within the walls of schools, working with administrators, principals, and teachers, and seeing what actually is going on in, inside the classroom. And I want to tell you that there is a vast disconnect of what business leaders and hiring managers are wanting from their students or wanting from, from their employees versus the types of students that are getting turned out through the K-12 and the higher education system right now. So I firmly believe that we need to change the goal of K-12 education away from getting kids into college and getting kids into a better college and more about preparing them for what we need in the future. And what we need in the future is we need problem solvers. We need people that can look at a situation and figure it out, not be the ones that are going to memorize information and do really well on standardized tests. So my commitment and what I am actively doing is talking to people about is this has to start with people outside of the education system to fix this problem because we are handcuffing the administrators and the teachers in the schools right now because we've given them the system that they have to conform to and we are going to grade them based on how well their kids do on standardized tests and how well and what schools that their kids get into. So if we can have this conversation with hiring managers and within the general population with community leaders and business leaders and parents about what we know we need to do for our students, for our kids. We need to make them sure that they are engaged in their learning and that it is not about college. We shouldn't be forcing them to be looking at college and making sure that all our kids are coming out with a lot of debt and not a lot of useful skills. So that is my commitment. I can talk on and on about this. And if you would want to talk more about it, please reach out to me. The best way is probably actually on LinkedIn if you search Kevin Stoller, S-T-O-L-L-E-R, or go to our website to, to engage in the conversation. It is K-A-Y-T-W-E-L-V-E.com. Now back to you, Shay and Pav. Hey, Bandit One, how we doing on schedule? Break a break a band or two. We doing about 25 minutes ahead of schedule. We'll come back. That was a really good three enlightened minutes. Kevin, thank you very much. Talking about that emphasis on problem-based learning and problem solving as really the means to the future. And of course, it's very tough in education to really 
pick what you want to focus on because ultimately the things that are important right now, we all know, aren't necessarily going to be important later. So you really have to devise your educational plan, your pedagogies on how we're going to best serve our students for what's coming in the future. Perfect. Thank you. And I, can I just comment that I, I, I forgot where I was as I was uh, listening to your, to your line from, from what I learned is Smokey and the Bandit. This is right. You got it. <laughs> that was great. I got a Smokey report for you. <laughs> um, so uh, this episode, we've been talking about the counter-revolution. We've been talking about all of the amazing gains that we're making in regards to uh, tech, you know, whereas you had people that might have been teachers that might have been resistant because of their lack of knowledge and comfort with technology. Now they're sort of being forced into it and they're learning a lot along the way, whether they like it or not. Um, but I think a lot of teachers, all teachers are finding some benefit in the things that they are learning right now and integrating as much as they can at whatever pace they can. And they're doing it because our students need it. And ultimately, that is the reason why we are in the role that we are in. So, so things, it's great. We're moving forward towards more technology. We're integrating, we're learning as we go. We're developing ourselves professionally, but at the same time, we're widening other gaps. We're creating loop, we're creating holes where we didn't have them before in an in-class situation that we're, that we're not intended. And so we're finding that we're going to need to be pushing for those things in whatever way we are able to going forward. I can only flip grid you so many times. <laughs> yes. Uh, was that appropriate? <laughs> Pardon my positivity. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so it's just a play on the idea that we are making great gains. Um, we talked about this being, it's a dirty mess, but mm -hmm. through this failure, through this crisis, we are evolving on the fly and teachers are making great gains. They're much more comfortable in this realm. We're embedding and using tech at a greater uh, pace. We're finding apps and finding ways and expanding our use of Google Suites or Flipgrid or My Blueprint. There's all kinds of great resources out there. Our teachers are becoming really good with it. And there's an excitability that comes. You sort of have the failure, the reflection, the learning, whether they wanted to or not. But I think most teachers, they're just hesitant because of the crisis. But I think everyone's excited to learn. And so as we make this push this way, this is what we want to talk about, this counter-revolution. As we make all these great advances and have all these successes, what are the things at the end when we're going to have to stop and do some data and do some real reflection because in the moment anecdotally we feel good about the growth with our tech the growth of our embeddedness um but at the end i feel i'm already feeling right now the counter revolution is coming we're going to want to return to the face-to-face -face, the social emotional needs um the pace i don't know i don't think my daughter ever cried at school trying to do her learning and, and she cries all the time, the stress, the anxiety, the pressures of, of having to meet those online needs. So the teachers are producing great stuff. But I'm willing to bet that my daughter is much more comfortable in those spaces, much more comfortable with the interaction with the teacher. She can give a look of need support. And at home, the look of need support is just bawling in tears. And I don't want... If I don't want my daughter bawling in tears, I don't want other kids with those type of stresses at home. So ultimately, again, having my own children watching what they're doing with their classroom teachers really shows me that they want to be, they need to be 
in a space with their teacher. Your child doesn't treat you the same way as they treat their teacher. There's a different dynamic, and that dynamic is important. That synergy is important. And so as I am relatively comfortable with tech and I'm relatively comfortable embedding it in my teaching, I'm already starting to feel the push of the counter-revolution. I want the face-to-face. I want to take care of the social-emotional needs. I want that community. I want that culture. And as much as I can be really intentional in trying to make it, it's just not the same. Like going to your rock concert or like your read-aloud. Yeah, you mentioned the the social-emotional learning aspect of this is something that's so huge on two different levels. Uh, for the one thing, yes, our students will our our students will react at home differently than they would react at school because their relationship with their parents is different than the relationship that they would have with their teachers. So their reactions are going to be different. They're going to take on different stresses um, based on the work that you're assigning. I know for a fact that I am assigning less work now on Google Classroom than I was in, my expectations were far greater in the classroom, in the face-to-face scenario. But I never had parents that were contacting me to let me know that the workload at home is now just too much before. But I am now. I'm now hearing that, you know, every teacher is posting things. Every teacher has expectations with due dates from the students and the students are becoming overwhelmed. So I can see how your daughter is stressed out. I am the same stress level with my children who have this list of things that they need to complete during the week. And I don't know when I can help them with that. And on top of that, be able to complete my work at the same time. The other aspect in regards to social emotional learning that is really missing is being able to read our students' moods. Um, A huge part of teaching is being able to see what our students are going through at that moment. You will have a student that comes in and is completely disengaged, is sleepy, head on the table all the time. You know something's going on at home. You know something is not right with that student and you can't address it. You can't, you are not there to see it. You are not there to help that student. You are not there to offer the resources that maybe that student doesn't have at home. So where are we going to be able to address that part of teaching that is so big in the classroom and is absent in this environment? Pace, flow is so critical to great lessons. And you're right, when you can't read a mood, then is your pace appropriate at that particular moment? Is you have good flow? You don't, you can't read if there's good flow. And when the flow is going great, we know we can speed things up or we can jump to another activity. Or if we know the flow is poor, we know we need to energize or we need to get back onto the path by drawing people back in. So you just made a couple of, you know, usual great points. I was thinking as you're going through there, if my daughter was held accountable for her behavior at home, a middle daughter, the older one is emotional, she's, she's caring soul, so she gets anxiety, she cries. The middle one would be suspended through 2025. <laughs> she wouldn't be allowed back into maybe till grade 10 yeah. if her behaviors related to her schoolwork were being monitored to what she's doing at home because she's an angry beast and she is a beast that's great on the soccer field. Well, I guess the remote soccer field now, but her, she lashes out because of this work. So when you're talking about that, I just had that funny anecdotal thought. I said, yeah, my middle daughter would not be allowed back into school for quite some time. <laughs> yes. The environments are totally different and we can't, we, we cannot 
actually recreate that environment in the online world. And that's that's part of the challenge and that's part of something that we're going to have to look at going forward and, and evolve through as we are right now. This is all part of the journey. We're working our way through it. We're, we're going through those twists and turns. We're approaching, you know, things in the road that are keeping us from going forward and we're having to detour. And so we're doing it. We're doing it as we go. We're moving through, we're moving forward and, and we're facing every challenge as it reaches us. Let's wrap this up. Sounds good to me. What we got to in this episode is that we love the growth that's happening with tech. We love how our teachers are becoming more comfortable embedding and using a variety of different tech tools and creating online lessons. But there is no data per se at the moment. So as much as we evolve in the fly anecdotally, as much as we produce better teaching capacity... At the end, when we come back and re-reflect, you and I have this real feeling, this counter-revolution. There's going to be a kickback, a counter-revolution that's going to say, we want our kids in our buildings. We need this social-emotional support. We need to have better flow. We want to make sure that we can really instill that love of learning, that the dynamic is important. And when you think about job description, there's no job description that details the dynamics Mm -hmm. of the relationship, but those dynamics and that vibe of your space dictates and impacts learning and just not available on a job description just can't be duplicated so as much as we love the growth and we think it's important growth and they're great learning teaching skills to to be building upon we also have this sense that there's going to be a counter revolution there's going to be that need to face to face social emotional and and that's going to be evident from every stakeholder not just the teacher's perspective that's going to be evident from the student's perspective. That's going to be evident from the parent perspective, from the administrators, and from the board level, and even up to the government level as well. Things are going to have to flip and turn, and we're going to have to readjust our expectations of what this is going to look like going forward. All right, Jim Gay's heading off. I got to go outside and chop some wood or something, or maybe I'll uh, lift some uh, winter tire uh, barbells. Yeah, you got you to gotta work on that. Create some new ways to lift your weights. I think it's a good idea. Absolutely. Right. Let's wrap this up. Let's we are so up. glad you joined us on the Staff Room Podcast today. Make sure you check us out on The Drive on Friday mornings at 9 Eastern. It is a lot of fun. Informal chatter, lots of great music requests, and we will shut down the World Wide Web on Twitter with all the action that's <laughs> going on from the coffee crew. So much action. So remember to inspire, don't require. Always be a humble servant. And remember... Education never dies. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed, and produced by Che Chaney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. 
Be sure to join Jay and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room. <laughs>